This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, good evening and welcome to Green and White, the weekly Argyle Life podcast. Thank you all for listening, we hope you all had a great weekend. Uh, with us this week to discuss the latest event, a very disappointing 2-0 defeat to Cheltenham Town, uh, we have Sam. Hello. And we have Colin. Hi. And of course we have uh, myself, Nick, your host. Uh, no Josh, unfortunately this week, and no Adam either, so back to hosting duties for me. Um, yeah, dis- I think we all agree, disappointing weekend, uh, defeat to Cheltenham, Um not terrible performance, but obviously the result left a very sour taste, particularly being that it's now one win in 10 in all competitions. And what is that? One win in uh, seven in the league. Um, so yeah, Colin, why do, would you like to talk us through your thoughts? Yeah. It's a really funny feeling looking back on that game because my perspective now is a bit different to how it was at the final whistle on, on Saturday. I have to admit, I was, I was really furious on Saturday. It's the first time... I've ever left home park, I think, before the final whistle. I'm always dismissive of people who, who leg it before the final whistle, but um, it was just such a massive come down after the way the game started. Um, I mean, I thought for the first 23 minutes, um, we played as well as I've seen us play all season. And then that uh, the departure of Telford um, was obviously significant in itself, but it felt to me like all the air went out of the game as far as Ogal was concerned then you know and yet for the first 23 minutes i thought we'd seen some great stuff you know obviously from uh, mayor and McFadgen, as you'd expect interchanges but cooper i thought started extremely well um, i was pretty happy to see him getting his chance to start at right wing back i at least felt that he deserved the chance to start there and obviously Thamond Edwards moved back into the middle which i was pleased about it was great that telford started and I thought for the first 23 minutes, we actually were creating chances all over the pitch, um, you know, from the usual Mary McFadden interchanges, but long balls through from defence, long balls through from Cooper, shots from Cooper, crosses, and it all felt like it was building up towards an inevitable Argyle goal within the first quarter of the game. Didn't quite happen like that, though. I thought the Telford, um, the, the Telford injury just seemed to knock the stuffing out of them. Yes, um, we weren't too bad for most of the game. I certainly feel our best phase of the game probably did come with Telford on the pitch. 
in that first quarter of the game. We obviously still did create a lot of good chances after that, particularly in the second half. But we something we kind of um wow, what's the word I'm looking for? Um the kind of the kind of wind went out of ourselves a bit in the first half after Telford went off. We then had a phase of about ten minutes of uh not being quite so good, not being quite so quick moving with the ball. Um and I think overall again it wasn't a bad performance. I think on the balance of play we probably outcreated Cheltenham. Although not massively, because they did have quite a few moments on the counter attack that they kind of looked threatening, including obviously their two goals. But as a general, uh, as a general overview of the game, I think we were more threatening. We have more on the ball, we have more on the territory, we have more on the chances. But of course, we didn't win, so it's obviously everyone's going to come away very frustrated, particularly as we're now on one win in ten. Obviously, I said I said on the previous podcast it was getting a bit scary that we were on one win in nine. Now we're on one win in ten, that gets a bit scary again. And if I'm here next week saying we're on one win eleven, that's, you know, panic buttons are going to start being pressed left, right and centre, aren't they? So, yes, there's positives, but, you know, it's a lot of the same things are going wrong. There's been so many games where we've dominated the possession, created chances to some extent or other, but have been caught on the counter by a team who's just that bit more clinical than us. That's been the pattern. Salford, Oldham, Crawley, Cheltenham. Um, I think one of the key things to say there is, and I saw afterwards, uh, Lowe said, uh, we don't want to become a possession team that keeps possession for the sake of it. I think that's very unfair on the way we've played because the key thing here is that we are creating chances. We're not just passing the ball around tamely. We get the ball around, we, we get the ball wide, we get it high, we take them on, we beat players, we get into the box, we get good balls into the box and we get good positions to shoot and we shoot. Um, this isn't the case. This isn't like Adams last year, where we just we didn't create. Whenever we had the ball, we just didn't create. We were very tame and relied on you know half chances being slotted away. No, we um we were creating chances. The key here is putting them away. Um, and you know sometimes it's that little bit of ingenuity in the final third we're missing, but in general just just you know slot some of these half chances away, bury them. And in a way, I can sort of understand Lowe's frustrations when he says you know on. When or well, when he sort of blames the players on court, says they need to be more ruthless because, in a way, they do. We had chances, chances, and we just didn't put them, put them away. Plain and simple. Danny Mayer missing the best of the lot, clean through straight at the keeper. Um, but then, sort of look at why, and so one of the reasons is, uh, one of the reasons let's say is got a striker rotation or less rotation striker injury. We can't. Like Telford, for example, we can't seem to keep him on the pitch at the moment. He scored two in what to three and a half starts, I think, and then went off injured. Came back in a couple of sub appearances and made his first start since coming back today. Last thirty minutes, he's gone off injured. Um, uh, Joel Grant started first game, had a really good first game against Crew. Uh, went off injured what half an hour in against um, uh, Colchester. Taylor got an injury shortly after he had three goals and four, whatever it was. Um, Byron Moore scores two, gets injured a game later or two games later. I think you know it's, it's just breaking up and preventing us from getting a striker who's going to go on a hot streak. In the same way that Ruben Reed used to score like his goals in bursts. If we get a striker who's going to score goals in bursts, they're not going to be able to do that if they get injured after two or three starts. Yeah, we haven't got a single striker who's well. No, let me let me rephrase that. We haven't got a player who's scored more than two goals. Three. Taylor scored three, McFadden scored three. Oh, sorry, I'm talking in the league. Oh, in the league. Taylor, yeah, that's a good point. Fair enough. No, no, fair point, yeah. In the league, we haven't got a single player who's scored more than two goals. And I just, I find it hard to see a credible promotion push without one player. You don't necessarily need a player scoring 25 goals, 
but you need a couple of players who are capable of scoring in double digits. I I think Telford's going to do that. I think obviously at the moment it's injury. He looked really sharp when he came on, uh, when he started rather. And and the very upside is that Lowe's basically said that he took him off as a precaution. There was no, it wasn't like he went down to play on. Lowe said no, get off. So hopefully he's back fit for the next game. If not that, the one after, uh, the Scunthorpe home game after that. Because I still I've got my money on him being top goal scorer. I think he's the best natural fit up front. So hopefully he's back quickly. But then. I completely agree with you on that. I'll tell you what the best, I thought the best moment of the game was almost on Saturday after about 15 minutes. Ameson played a ball to Telford about five yards inside our half. And before the ball had even got to him, it seemed Telford had gathered it, turned and gone past two players. And 30 yards later, he was in the box and forced a good save from the keeper. And that was breathtaking stuff. It's sort of reminiscent of his goal against Leighton Orient. Turns and, you know, takes and it's, it's worth noting that um even though we've got we've largely played two wingers up front in grant and uh byron moore telford's absolutely creaming them for dribbles completed per game he's got twice as many as both of them yeah yeah he looks like the most natural goal scorer we've got and not just that he's the most natural in the one of the problems with taylor is that he's uh, passing aside he's not really going to receive the ball turn and take it at someone because um, sometimes, you know, when things grind to a halt or, you know, they're pressing on midfield well, the space is there for the striker to exploit it and we need the right striker. I don't think Rudden or Taylor are going to do that, but Telford, yeah, Telford can do that. You give him the ball, he's going to turn, he's going to try and drive the defence and that in itself is going to open up space for everyone else around. It sort of makes him that extra creative level there when we don't, when we can't create elsewhere. That's why, for me, um, t- not just Telford going off but being replaced by Taylor was such a massive downer. I mean, he's the absolute antithesis of Telford. I think there were there were a couple of moments in the early part of the second half where within the space of a minute, probably, Taylor got the ball twice um, with his back to the opposition goal. And his instinct is just to play it back into his own half. He'll never turn and he rarely even lays it off, as you say. Both balls went straight back to our defence. And I just thought there was a snapshot of the difference between Taylor and Telford. And I... I don't know if I'm getting a bit of a beer in my bonnet about Taylor, but I just don't see the point of him. I, I I was so frustrated. I watched him for about 10 minutes in the second half. I deliberately watched him, and I just didn't know what he was doing. He just seemed to be floating around, always in the wrong place, never on the end of crosses. Sarsovic got a couple of crosses in from the right. Admittedly, one of them was behind Taylor and should have been ahead of him. The other one... Sarsavik put it in as if he was expecting, not unreasonably, a striker to be on the end of it. And if that striker was going to be on the end of it, it should have been Taylor. Because I'm bloody sure that when he was playing, Lowe would have been on the end of it. And Taylor just wasn't there. He never seems to be in the right place. Um, and you look at him and he just seems to be floating around in a world of his own. I, I'm, I, I just... Never's a bit harsh for me. Um, but you can sort of see, you can see some stylistic differences in the... So, for example, Taylor is comprehensively outcreating, outcreating that is, um, Telford in the, where is he? So, Telford's a chance every five games, Taylor's um, just un, not far away from a chance every game created, but that's not what he's there to do. Then you look at shots, Telford's taking more than twice as many shots as Taylor per game. He's not hitting the target as much, but that's because, you know, he's he's taking risks and he's, uh, where's dribbles? Sorry, I'm looking for numbers in front of me. Taylor's yet to complete a dribble this season, whereas Telford, uh, Telford's averaging one and a half per game. 
which is as high as some of our midfielders and the highest of all the strikers. And it's like, yeah, you know, they're, they're playing two different games. Taylor's almost still in Derek Adams mode and that he holds the ball up, he lays it off. And, and let's not forget, created two chances in that game. Lovely um, reverse ball for Sarsovic. Still a tight angle for Sarsovic, but still it's a lovely reverse ball almost first time to get Sarsovic into that goal-scoring position. And of course, he lays off Danny Mayer for the you know the big chance of the game that Mayer... I mean, let's face it, Mayer had a cracking game. He did everything, but it, you know, he didn't deserve to not pick up an assist. Some players should have got an assist for one of his passes. But when the chance fell to him, he fluffed it. And, and, and at the very least, Taylor is has got himself in the right position for obviously his goal against Walsall, his goal against Reading. He's in there in the box and he's shown that a little bit. So that's been an improvement and he is at least creating chances. But yeah, he's not the phase in between. He sort of gets it and just meanders backwards a bit before laying it off. When's he going to turn and take it at the defence? And can he? He's not, nothing I've seen so far suggests he is. Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's one of those, it's one of those, you get a bee in your bonnet about certain players. I think. And, uh, oh, we all I know. couldn't possibly comment on that. No, who, would, <laughs> who could we be thinking of, for heaven's sake? I'm afraid t- Taylor's mine at the moment, so ignore anything I say about him. <laughs> no, I mean, I agree. I really, I really do. I think you, you look at comments Ryan Lowe's making in the press, he's always saying there are certain players, and he does pick, pick on strikers a bit, who are not doing what he wants strikers to do. They're, he said they're coming too deep. They're not making runs in the box. He said multiple times, you need to be making runs in the box. You need to be getting in a position for a tapping. Players are not doing that. He said that time and time again. It does not take a you know rocket scientist to figure out who he's referring to. He's obviously referring to Taylor. He's not doing that enough, nearly enough. Yes, he's a, he's a good, creative, hold-up striker. He, he is a striker who in a Derek Adams team will get a lot of assists because he will just hold the ball up, lay it off well, pass well. And even in a Ryan Lowe team, we'll get a few assists just because, you know, ultimately, as much as we don't like him to play that way, when he does, he can still create chances, but he will not get a great many goals. Now, Warsaw game and Reading game, those were the two best games he's played all season by far because he did seem to start doing that a lot more. He did seem to start making those runs. And lo and behold, he got three goals in those two games. But then that's the only two games, really, that he has done that. Since then, he sort of regressed back to his, his bad old ways of going far too deep not making those runs to get a tap in, not doing that nearly enough, which is, you know, it's a great shame, really. And I think for someone who was such a good player to us for a season and a half under Derek Adams, and probably would have been two, two, two seasons and a half, if not for the fact he was chronically underused last season, he's now in a system that is so completely alien to him. And I think, sadly, unless there's a big sign of improvement, he is going to have to be moved on at the first possible opportunity. Um, sorry, question. Tell me which, which tap-ins or which chances he hasn't been attacking the box for in recent games well there have been a few games where they've been crosses have gone across the, I can't put minutes and time yeah, I think it. you'll find he didn't play in those so I'm pretty certain I'm 95% certain that for the Port Vale one that Lowe was furious about he'd already come off for Dom Telford did I say last couple of games I meant last yeah, couple of yeah. games Taylor has played sorry but that's what I meant to start yeah, but then, uh, which so Northampton um, obviously there was one which went across it, you know, we don't always need both players attacking the box for Northampton, Byron Moore gets on the end of it but puts it over the bar um, and then try and think what the other one would be because uh, Taylor got injured not too shortly after um, the Walsall game he was dropped for Crawley didn't start against Cheltenham uh, oh Oldham he started and I believe he played at Port Vale as well yeah he played Port Vale and Oldham but then, what chances? What chances were there for him? 
Well, well, that's the thing. What I'm saying, I'm not saying there's particularly chances that he's not scored. What I'm saying is that he's not made the runs to make the chances possible. It's not that he's missing chances. It's that he's not getting in the area to make chances. There's been so many times where a ball has gone across the box. Okay, if there are so many times, when name them? That's literally what I just said. Well, I can't put exact times. Because there haven't been that many times. Been a few, there have been a few, particularly when McFly. I, I, I can't remember the exact minutes, but there have, there have been so... And it's not even just crossed across the box. Even even you could put it back to when we're kind of um, passing the ball around on the edge of the box. And it went, where he could maybe be running, he could be running to kind of you know put himself through for a through ball or something. And he's faffing about and coming deep. There's just been a lot of times, and you know, maybe, you know, not exactly crosses only, although there have been some of them. But there's just been too many occasions where he's not, where he's been 10 or 15 yards deeper than where Ryan Lowe would like him to be. And that's causing a problem. Would you agree with that at least? Yeah, and I should say, I'm not actually disagreeing about the Taylor point in general. I'm just making sure we don't go over the top. Because my fear there was that you were, basically what you said there was that Lowe was talking about Taylor. And I think he's talking about more than just Taylor. Not exclusively, I should have added. Oh, yeah, you should have said that, yeah. So what that was more was a defence of Taylor not being the only one rather than, boom, Taylor's fault. And also he said we should move him on to the next available opportunity. I think that's harsh. Um, Should we, though, obviously move away from that end of goal and move to the opposite end of goal, where the real problem lies? Because for all the complaints about Taylor goal scoring and so forth, one of the top scorers in the division still, we've only failed to score in three games all season. Um, the problem at the moment is shipping goals. Yeah, very much so. Um, defenders, they're just, they're just not a great set of defenders that we've got, really. Canavan is, is, is good in the air, but he, he, I think he's had a lot of goals this season. Well, certainly the, certainly the uh, Port Vale one. And possibly, um, possibly the uh, what was the, what was the other one that he could have been? Don't tell me, Oldham, Oldham, where, Oldham where, he, where, he, where he lost the header against Wheater. Newport, like you kind of see your defensive on that one. The player was just a bit quicker than him. So Newport, yeah, fair enough. It's not, not that the player's a bit quicker than him. Canavan has to wait for him to make a move. As a defender, you're not psychic. You can't just start running. You've got to wait for the attacker to make his move and then follow him. You know, and that's how def- that's how strikers get ahead of defenders at set pieces full stop. But yeah, sorry, go on. I'll, t- I'll terminate that tangent well, at the neck. Um, yeah. So yes, um, but Can- Canavan, well, probably been one of the best of a bad lot. He's not great. Uh, Josh Grant is pretty much good at everything bar winning headers, which is one of the main essentials for a centre-back, certainly at League Two level. Uh, Wooten and Sawyer, both very, very limited. Very limited. Ainson, best of a bad lot, but even he's not, you know... Even even he's had some flaws, you know. Even he, as, he, as you mentioned uh, when we were chatting earlier, I think before it was probably before we pressed the recording, but I think you mentioned Davidson didn't win a great deal of headers on Saturday at Crawley. He, he was largely pretty good, but a couple of moments where he just seemed to be maybe lacking a yard of pace, possibly. So even what? he's not perfect. But what are you talking about? Sorry, sorry. Some of this is like going way over the top. No, okay, can I ask you a couple of questions? Okay, let's start with simple. Do you think Cheltenham have better defenders than us? Uh, no. Do you think Exeter have better defenders than us? Again, I should, I should caveat that Cheltenham answer. I've answered the same for Exeter. It was just that I don't know their squad in as much depth, but I would I would instinctively guess that they probably don't have much better defenders than us. No. What, what I'm going to say is what I think, in particular, I think I'm going to speak for Josh, because I'm pretty certain Josh would say this too. I think you're putting an awful lot of blame on defenders' individual ability and forgetting this is a very attacking system with lots of spaces in behind and, you know, wingers at wing-backs and attacking mids and centre... Like, what? Well, I'm, I'm not so much forgetting that and saying that 
You're saying they're all not good enough. That's what you basically said. You've just listed all of them and complained about them. Well, yeah. What, 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 I, what I should probably add to that then is, is that if they're, it's not that they're so inherently flawed that they couldn't do a job in any other team. It's more the fact that in this system, as you mentioned, with the style, um, um, I, would, I would say that's a fair point, but I would say that that point kind of dovetails with mine in a sense that in that style, where defenders are so vulnerable, you need defenders to be very, very good, not to ship goals. Brad, in a style where the defence are not so exposed, then you don't actually have to do that because ultimately, you know, if you're playing a more defensive style or, you know, you're playing a, a back four with not such an exposed back three, you're not playing such a high line, etc., cetera, et cetera, et cetera, If you're doing that, then you can allow your defenders to have those weaknesses. You know, they're, they're, not, they're not such a, a big deal. But in this system, where we do play such a high line of a back three, a lot of them uh, are exposed very badly. And I'm not saying that, oh, you know, because of that, we should immediately ditch the back three. I think we could probably play... A slightly different combination of defenders. We should play something that includes both Ainson and Canavan because they're our best two in the air as a general rule. And yeah, that would trim down the goals slightly. But there is always going to be some kind of problem that when you play this system, you are going to have defenders more exposed in general. And it doesn't help that none of our defenders, or maybe Ainson is, it's only seen him two games, but certainly the other four are not that great. They're not what you'd call amazing i don't think and with with, with and yes you know we, you, you can make a best of a bad bunch for trio and i'm sure we'll stop conceding goals when we get the best trio in which certainly includes Ainsley and canavan not sure who the third would be maybe Sawyer or josh grant not sure which but when you get the best trio in things will improve but that still won't you know disregard the fact that we do have a lot of flaws in our defense and we will still concede a fair few goals i think best of a bad bunch is incredibly harsh and i think quality wise we've got some I'm going to say some of not I'm not saying we have the best defenders in the division but I think if you were to if you were to if you were to find a way of measuring them all a bit like FIFA do for example I'm sure Football Manager does for example if you were to measure them all and rank them from best to worst you'd find that ours are far more often in the top half than the bottom half I think I think what you've said undersells them an awful lot but nevertheless um Colin what was your take no I I kind of agree with both of you but um if you look at the goals on Saturday, particularly the first one, which to a certain extent was a simple case of poor defending at the back post where Josh Grant just seemed to momentarily lose sight of his man. And all right, you know, he's playing against Varney's a, a wise old dog and he, he, he actually ghosted in quite nicely to head that home. And, uh, you know, Josh Grant was just caught short there. But actually, if you wind it back, whenever... You know, we're vulnerable to counter-attacks, of course. That's inevitable in a system like this. And where I do agree with uh, Sam is that we seem to be very much at sixes and sevens. There seems to be an element of panic when we are the victim of a counter-attack. We, whereas we are attacking quite often, quite slowly in a slow build-up, giving the other team the chance to get back behind the ball. I mean, the extreme ex- you know, example was on Saturday when, for large chunks of the second half, Cheltenham had literally 11 men behind the ball. With us, we're always backpedalling because they're hitting us on the counter-attack. And that does require mobile, intelligent defenders, um, or you're going to concede. And we saw that to a certain extent with the second goal as well. All right, Ameson was incredibly unlucky with that, um, with that deflection. But if you go back and look at that goal, I mean, it was... It was a sort of chaotic backpedal, chaotic piece of sort of last-ditch defending because we were caught on the counter-attack. And I think maybe what we need, you know, it's easy to say we need better defenders. I think what we do need is defenders who are more mobile and more able to fall back and improvise in a system which you play three at the back, you're going to be more vulnerable. 
you know, you haven't got a solid line of four that you can move up and down like a, a sort of set of tanks in an artillery battle. You need guys who are capable of backpedaling quickly, getting into formation and cutting out crosses. And that's what we're lacking at the moment. So I think we've maybe, to a certain extent, got the wrong type of defenders rather than just saying we haven't got defenders who are good enough. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair assessment. I think you're actually missing a point there. Um, and I'll tell you why. I think there's a little bit of recency bias going on there. Because if you're to sort of look back over chances wasted in goals, I don't think you're going to find as many examples of the backpedalling as much as you're going to find uh, poor, poor defending of set pieces. Um, for me, your problem is, as we basically spoke about last week, um, you've only got one player in there to head the ball. First it was Canavan, now it was Ameson. Um if if you look at the way the uh, Argyle defend headers at the moment, the two wider centre-backs, Sawyer and uh, Josh Grant on this case, win fewer headers in the game, and I think compete for fewer headers in the game on average, than uh, the central centre-back. Basically, the, you know, the heading onus is put on them. And there's two negatives in that. It's that, one, that player's going to get a bit more tired out as the game goes on. You can sort of see that in Canavan losing wet, late headers against Oldham and um, Port Vale when he's been basically the one having to fight in the air all afternoon on his own and two is that when you target the others they're not as strong anyway so you said Josh Grant momentary blip but I, as far as I remember it was definitely a second time he made that mistake for the um you remember in the first minute Luke Varney almost got away and um Palmer came out and smothered it that was again Josh Grant being sucked in and losing his track of losing track of Varney behind him and I believe it happened a third time in the second half I'm not 100% and then when Gavin uh, I think it's Gavin Riley hit the bar that's Sawyer losing the header at the back post. Yeah, so those are both examples of targeting that, you know, that back the uh, the outside centre backs and losing the header. If you, as I said last week, I think the solution is incredibly simple: Canavan in the middle, Ameson to the right, which doubles up your strength in the air. And let's not forget that that's how Bury played last season. They had three big strong centre backs for most of it, and if not, then they had at least two big strong centre backs in Thompson and Ameson. And Ameson played right centre-back. And at the moment, we're not doing that. And ha if you take out the farcical penalty scored by Northampton, half our league goals are from headers, from, from set-pieces. Uh, two against Salford, one against Newport... Sorry, conceded. Two against Salford, one against Newport, one against Port Vale, um, one against Crawley, one no, not one against Crawley, um, one against um, Cheltenham. Uh, losing track of the rest. Anyhow, you know, half our goals from set-pieces, the key area we need to trim down on, he you know, headers, basically. It's headers is what we need to cut down on. And you do that by, say, adding... If you add Will Ameson there, I'm under no doubt that he wins a header at the back post. Cheltenham, the vast majority of their chances, crosses, not counters. Most teams against us. Salford, you know, they relied on crosses. Both their goals from crosses. The majority of the teams who are coming down here have little possession. They're not playing through us through the middle. They're going wide and putting crosses in. And our inability to defend them is the big problem. What do you respond to that with? Not quicker, faster defenders. You know, we hold possession to deal with that. The more possession we have, the less they have. What we do is we have to defend the uh, crosses into the box. At the moment, that's the biggest, the single biggest problem. You can group all the goals by types, and you're not going to find any that come close to, you know, losing headers as the biggest reason for conceding goals. And that's why we need to focus not on having um, quicker defenders. Then again, you should probably measure it for different games. So Mansfield, for example, likely to put less crosses in, so maybe it's worth having extra mobility for that game in particular. Quick point of response to that then. I think what you've done there is kind of um, argue 
are fairly effectively with Collins Point that that, that, that our weak area is is counter attacks, and I think whilst it is a weakish area, I think you're probably correct in saying that headers is the biggest weak area. But going back to the kind of debate that that stemmed from, which is is the problem personnel or is it how we're using it? I'm saying it's very much personnel to an extent, and you're saying it's not. How you know? How do you tally you saying it's not personnel with the fact that you're essentially admitting that three out of our five defenders can't head the ball? You're saying it's only Canavan and Ainsley that can. So how do you tally your point of view that personnel? Isn't All I'm saying is that you said that our defenders were bad. I said our defenders weren't bad. So for example. Hypothetically, say Ameson and Canavan were playing all this time, and we'd cut about half of those defensive header goals we conceded, and those would equate into more points. I say it's another seven points were higher up the table. You'd be thinking more positively about our defenders. I never said that our defenders were the right defenders. I was defending them on account of their ability. Um, I believe that, honestly, if you'd swap out probably Scott Wooten, probably if you swap out Wooten for more of a um, strong aerial presence, we've got the right balance of defenders. The problem is at the moment that we have a bit, the balance is probably a bit wrong. We've got too many who are like Sawyer and Josh Grant who are going to play on the flanks of that defence. And we've got too few who are like Ames and Canavan who are going to win the headers. Adam Thompson would have been nice, wouldn't he? Maybe. What, what do you think Lowe's thinking about this? Because, you know, he said after the game on Saturday, what did he say? He said... Um, the first one is disappointing. One cross in the box. We've been working all week on the crosses. We know the way they play. And to be unopposed in a six-yard box is a joke, really. So you go back to what he just said there. We've been working all week on the crosses. So he knows what the problem is. I mean, let's face it, he shouldn't be allowed inside the doors of Home Park if he can't identify that that's a problem. They've been working on it all week. It's clearly not working. So does that not point a finger in the direction of the players he's working with, given that he's obviously telling them what the problem no, is and what got, they should he, be doing about it? Well, OK, unless Canavan was injured, for me, he's got no excuse for not starting Canavan and Ameson. It's, it's, it's pretty damn clear, in my opinion, that we need... And it should be pretty clear for him. He did it last season. He he played with Ameson and um, uh, Adam Thompson consistently throughout the season. And the third centre-back was either... Uh, Owen O'Connell, who's what six foot three, I think, or Scott Walton, and the only uh, for I think maybe fifteen games, Chris Stokes, who's sort of their Gary Sawyer equivalent, who himself is a bit taller than Sawyer, as I remember. Anyway, I think he's six foot. He played with big, strong centre backs all last season. I don't know why he's not doing that this time. I, th- I think there's been it's almost like some empty words from Lowe in a way. I hate it when I hear these. It always really grates me. When a manager sort of tries to blame the players and says they're not trying hard enough and like when they come out with the pearl of wisdom, we need to score more goals and concede fewer. Fantastic. Like I, I hate it when we get to that stage in the season. It's like Derek Adams is back again. Lowe's more honest than him, granted. But honestly, I just don't want to hear that kind of rubbish. And I want... No, that, want... that was alarming when I heard that in the press conference. We don't pay you thousands of pounds. To tell us um, that, thank you very much. I, like the, the the least observant of Argyle fans could have pointed that one out. It just for me, I think there's some selection issues there. I'm going to bang on that. I still think Sarsfield should be nowhere near right centre mid. I feel like I've got the stats to prove. I've got the examples to prove it. And and on top of that, it's not just he shouldn't be right centre mid. He should be right wing back. And like for all Lowe's talk of that, I think. He's missing out on Sarsfield, shouldn't be in right centre mid. Riley managed to stay in right wing back for ages and may have only been taken out of 
the team because of injury, even though it was quite clear that we needed someone else in there. Like we need someone else in at right centre mid too. Riley was taking set pieces with Gary Sawyer for ages. It's no surprising all our best bloody set piece chances have come since he was taken off. Obviously, we had Ameson's one ruled out this week. We had the Scott Wooten one scored when Baxter was taking. We had a couple more chances Baxter took against Port Vale. We had the one that Gary Sawyer had cleared off the line when Connor Grant was taking. There's no real shock there. Small thing. It, 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 it was as soon as we get to that stage where we're gonna, you know, say they need to do better and oh, we need to score more and concede less. Think about how your tactics are impacting that. I always worry that. Like Sarsich, for example, he started six, we failed to score in three of those. He's our least creative centre mid, he's our worst passing centre mid. And from centre mid, that's not to say Sarsich is a bad player, it's because Sam will know more than anyone. I've spent a hell of a lot of time defending Sarsich in recent years saying, no, he ought to be in the best team. Because I spend my time thinking, who's the best team, not who's the best player, what makes the best team? And Sarsovich is not there as a centre mid. Yes, I can testify this. Nearly exactly, nearly exactly two years ago, Nick was hotly arguing that our starsmith should be brought into the team, and I was saying we should stick with our current midfield three. And Nick was very much passionately, and as much as I hate to say he's right, he was proved right that starsmith should have been brought into the team. So yeah, he's not a starsmith uh, hater of any means, in the, and, and I agree in the right tactical system, starsmith. Yeah would be a great addition to a lot of teams in League 2 level. Heck, yeah. even in this what if we change the system? Position, he could be a great addition. Not that I'm saying we should. Yeah, yeah. And I agree with that entirely. So what do we think about the Cooper experiment? I think he did quite well there. I think he had quite a good game. I think the key, the key thing for me, he didn't look out of place defensively. My big worry with Cooper was going to be that he'd come in and he'd get exposed defensively. And granted, he was only up against the left back playing at left wing back in a team that defended a lot. So he didn't really have much to do. But against Bristol Rovers when he paid, played there, he was exposed by Rodman a few times, in particular for the goal he got drawn out of it. But in defensive phases, he looked competent, looked like he knew what he was doing. That was an important one for me. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think we, we talked about this before, saying that uh, the big concern was not what it could do going forward, but with defensively. But as far as going forward was concerned, I think in the second minute, he picked the ball upon the right and immediately cut inside which I think was within two minutes he'd done that more than Riley had done it all season. But then he then he popped up on the left a couple of times. Those two balls he swung in, I think there was a short corner yeah. to him on the left, which yeah. he then swung in, and their keeper looked shocked. It went much closer than Yeah, he just missed the far post, didn't it? He needed someone to just get a flick or move in a yard or whatever. I think the other thing, I, and I sent this video, you might not have seen it, but I remember I sent this video into our, our big Argyle Life group chat, was just like why I feel sorry for Cooper, because it, it was basically, it was a video, it must be around the 70th minute, Sarswich gets the ball in centre mid, passes out wide to Cooper, and you think about the way Mare and McFadden play, and they work in a pair targeting the fullback and go at the fullback. He passes Sarsvich passes out wide to Cooper. Two players run at Cooper, and Sarsvich just darts into the box and abandons him. And if if you're wondering part of the reason why I don't think Sarsvich is right centre mid, it's because he can't do that bit there. And you know, would, Cooper's always going to be you know double teamed if you know no one's going to support him. Yeah, whereas McFadden and Mayer would have stayed close together and worked it back and forth between. There wouldn't have been more than ten yards between them, and they would have passed it back and forth till the opening appeared, or one of them spotted the gap and went for it. Well, I don't. I wouldn't be unhappy to see Cooper start again in that right wing back role. That's that's my sort of parting thought on the matter. I think he did enough, um, both going forward and defensively, to justify being given another shot there. And it allows Edwards to move back in the middle. Okay, he didn't have the best game on Saturday, but I'd still much rather see Edwards in that midfield role. Um, so for me, 
I'd be more than happy to see Cooper started in right wing back again on Saturday. The one, I'm, the one I'm going to keep banging on about is the right centre midfield one. I mentioned him on the last podcast. He's become a bit of a forgotten man. He's Conor Graham. He had a really... He had, apart from the Northampton game, which, yes, he was bad, but apart from that game, he had a pretty good August. He played... Yeah. He had probably a, probably at least a 7 out of 10 and a couple of 8s in every... Pretty good against uh, Reading off the bench, although we did concede a couple of goals after he was on. That wasn't really his fault. He was good, though, against um, against Walsall. Had a good game against Walsall. So he he, just, he had a solidly good August. He was maybe even probably in our probably in our, one of our better players in August, and then he had one bad game, and he's been absolutely nowhere to be seen since. So why is he not you know a serious option for that role again? Has uh, Conor Grant run over Ryan Lowe's dog or something? <laughs> no, he's sleeping with the chairman, chairman's daughter. Oh, well, that would be a story for the chairman, blimey. <laughs> Sorry, Simon. <laughs> it was Marcel Seifer did that, wasn't it? What, sleeping with the chairman? <laughs> no. Yes, he, he did sleep with the chairman's daughter and he went on to marry her. Yeah, he's True. still married to her now. Um, in which case, shall we quickly do predictions? Uh, Mansfield, isn't it? Who are on a awful run of form, which naturally means they're going to roll us over 1-0. <laughs> Sorry, go on, Tom, your prediction. I think we're going to win 3 0. I think we could have, it's, we're going to have one of those games which just all comes together nicely. Maybe papers over the cracks to some extent, but hey, we, we, we've got to be doing a win, haven't we? So 3 0 win. Colin? Um, I don't see any likelihood of a clean sheet, so I'm going to be lift myself out of the glue and I'm going to say 3 1. I'm not even going to predict that. I think this is probably the first time this season I'm not. Apart from Crew, I think I didn't predict a win against Crew, and I'm not going to predict a win this weekend, um, just because I'm getting a bit sick of predicting wins, only to be just so terrible. I've not predicted wins for the past few weeks, so I've been correct not to predict a win every time, so hopefully now I'm predicting a win. That's not to say we haven't deserved wins, but we've been consistently worse away from home than we have in performances and results. Mm. And on top of that, we've got the you know, injuries starting to pile up a bit. No sign that Lowe's going to make the decisions, the tactical changes that I want him to make that are going to make me confident to win that's not say we won't win we probably will now but I'm just going <laughs> to go on I'm just going to literally say 1-0 Mansfield I reckon it'll be a uh, a Nicky Maynard header from a set piece that's that's where I'm going to go to rub salt into the wound yeah no no actually no a Nicky Maynard header at the back post against Gary Sawyer why not enough whinging now I'm going to probably cut that out um, thank you all so much for listening we hope you uh, hope you have enjoyed that even though obviously it's pretty terrible run uh let's all keep the faith though because i think we're all confident in the uh, performance levels themselves um i suppose that's uh obviously you like and subscribe like and subscribe i'm not talking about you can subscribe to the podcast on itunes and spotify and please do to obviously get our uh, our weekly our weekly chat sent straight to your uh, your phone your ipad whichever device i think you need to being a youtuber there aren't you please like and subscribe let's yeah that's what i was thinking i see i <laughs> I'm not even a cute YouTuber. I just hear it so much that when I was trying to reach for the words, that was the first ones that come to my head. <laughs> yeah, uh, please, please subscribe, and um, thank you for all of us. And we hope you had a good, uh, good listening, and good listening. Hope you had a good listen, and good night. Good night. Good night. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. 
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.